Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's your Daily Dose of Donna. Welcome to the show. Today is Monday, January 8th. Happy Monday. I hope everyone had a nice weekend and got to chill, relax, watch a lot of TV, hang out with your families maybe or your friends. Did you guys do anything super, super exciting? Uh, over here in the bowling casa, it was a very, very relaxing, like I said, weekend. Um, watched TV, did laundry, cleaned, and saw my kids play sports and drove them around town and did school projects. You know, I'm in that boat right now, like I'm in that part of parenting where we have, you know, a third and a fifth grader, and now they're like in that place where you have to start doing school projects, okay? And this is a little uh, triggering for me because I was the worst at these school projects. Like I was always a good student. I could write essays. I cannot, and I am not a creative, like artsy type of person. And so what I'm, what my problem with this all was, is that like, I always felt, and I don't know if you guys had the same, like, were your parents the ones that helped you with the projects? Because I went to school in Beverly Hills. Remember, you know, my story, if, if you guys, oh, by the way, we will cover a little bit about what happened over on Patreon, but you guys know my story, a lot of you, and I grew up here in Los Angeles and I went to school in Beverly Hills, but I wasn't a Beverly Hills kid. I didn't have Beverly Hills money. And all of my friends would come to school with these insane, over-the-top projects with the most gorgeous supplies. And clearly it's almost as if I don't even know if their moms or dads did them. I feel like they hired like an art professional to come in. And one of the worst projects for me was an eighth grade planet diorama. I think that's what it's called, a diorama. No, a diorama is like a box. I don't know what it was. But I remember having to go to the store with my mom and buy like a hanger and it had these like wires and then I would connect them with the string and, and wires and then more string wire, you know, whatever. And then we had to get these foam balls of different sizes and I had to paint them and like change them. And I, it was the planets around the sun and the moon. This project created such anxiety for me. I didn't know how to do it. I was so bad at it. I was so awful. Laura says as a former teacher, we can tell when kids don't do them. Yeah. Um, I would imagine I'm I would imagine it's pretty obvious knowing the the fact that my son can't color within a line and yesterday anyway he had to do a big shoebox project so we had to go to Joanne's um you know fabric store or whatever get a ton of crafts and I spent my my day yesterday you know gluing and stickering and and all of this so ah you guys it was a lot it was it was a lot but um but I just don't want them to be embarrassed. I think as a parent, like you don't want your kid to go to school with a really bad project that looks like you didn't put any effort into it. But at the same time, you know, I guess you're right. Like, you know, when the parents get involved, oh, the job of a parent. So Patreon, I mentioned this really fast and I want to just jump in there really fast. I told you guys I was going to release a Patreon on Friday. I did. It was a very, very personal story. I think I had about 50 new Patreon members that joined since Friday, which is insane. 
Um, and I hope I didn't disappoint with my story. Thank you. And thank you for being there. Um, we will be releasing another rewatch episode. Zach and I, Zach, Peter and I, he was out of town over the weekend. And so we're going to be recording it this week. So you'll get two extra Patreons this week and then another one on the weekend. Um, so I appreciate all your support over there. Your comments were beautiful and also heartbreaking because it's insane how many of us have similar, maybe not parallel stories or the same stories, but like so many kind of crazy stories growing up. It's like unbelievable. And now that I feel like we can share it so much more openly, just like mental health wise, it's so much more, um, you're so much more able to share your flaws or your family's flaws because so many people you relate to others. It's really, really nice. It's really nice. Um, Lauren says you should do a deep dive on Gypsy Rose, her podcast with Nick Vile just dropped. You know, I have not. Okay. Please tell me. And I know a lot of you guys will tell me because I see it on the Facebook group. Please tell me if you think I should get really deep into the Nick Vile. I'm sorry, <laughs> into Nick Vile, um, into Gypsy Rose and into Natalia Grace. These are two stories that I literally kept seeing and I just over, you know how some stories just don't jump out at you. So I just, over, it was that one, it was that one. And then it was the the Utah mom blogger that just got arrested, um, Ruby, whatever her name was. Those three stories I just kind of jumped right over. So I don't know if I'm interested. I don't know if some of these things are so dark. I don't know if I wanna go dark. Life is dark enough. Bring the light. Let's bring the light in. But before we bring the light in, I want to shout out today and this week's sponsor of Daily Dose of Donna. And that is my favorite, Kitsch. Kitsch. Kitsch is such an amazing product, you guys. Kitsch, well, product line, I should say, because it's not just one product. But basically, they say that hair care is a new skincare, but there is one brand that has taken it to the next level with a cult-like following. Kitsch has created some game-changing essentials beauty enthusiasts swear by from satin pillowcases, which I just got, okay? They're leopard. They're upstairs, obviously, on my bed, but they're wonderful and soft. And they're supposedly, I'm a side sleeper, so I need to avoid the wrinkles, right? So from satin pillowcases to time-saving towels, Kitsch knows hair care doesn't stop in the shower. Um, the coolest thing about Kitsch is that you can buy it, you know, online, obviously, and it's really affordable. It's not over-the-top expensive. They have so many things. They have the, you know, heat-free styling, uh, curling things. They have pillows. They have so many scrunchies. They have eye masks that I love. They have just soft, like satin, amazing products. Definitely go check it out. They also have a Barbie line right now, which is really fun. It's the Barbie Dream Life with the Barbie by Kitsch Collection. So it has a Barbie pink satin pillowcase if you have a daughter or if you want to buy one for yourself. So right now, Kitsch is offering you 30% off your entire order at mykitsch.com slash Donna. That's D-A-N-A. That's right. 30% off anything and everything at mykitsch. That's K-I-T. SCH.com slash Donna. One more time, mykitch.com slash Donna for 30% off your order. Okay. <sighs> you guys, sorry. Okay. I just hit my, my knee real hard. And I said, sorry to myself. I've become so clumsy lately. You should see. I told you guys about me falling down my stairs last week. It, it hasn't stopped there. I walked into a drawer, like I pulled out a drawer in my bathroom and then I forgot it was pulled because I got a mask out and I was like putting one of those clay masks and then I walked in, bam. I mean, I am bruised up. Did you guys watch the Golden Globes last night? Okay, I am not gonna give you a recap on the Golden Globes. There is absolutely no way I would do that to you because 
Who needs to live that like complete hot mess express pile of steaming crapola again? Who needs to relive it? But let's cover a couple things. Joe Coy was hired as the comedian slash host of the show. He appeared in probably in total 15 minutes of the entire show. He was in the beginning for an opening monologue and he jumped out, I think, once, maybe twice for the entire show after that. Um, He said in the monologue that he was hired 10 days ago. I don't know if that's true. I don't really believe that how that can be true, but maybe it was. Maybe someone fell out. Joe Coy, I know him because he was with Chelsea Handler. Um, he's a comedian, obviously, and has a big career. He's been an actor and he's got, you know, his Netflix document or his Netflix specials and he goes on tour. So a lot of you guys really, really like him. He's a Filipino, um, you know, cute guy, charming, the whitest teeth. I mean, he and Mauricio uh, go neck and neck with their teeth, right? It's it's on another level. Um, so I wanted to really like him because I liked that it was like, okay, so this is someone that's not Jimmy Kimmel. Like, that's number one. I'm so glad not to see Jimmy Kimmel do this. I'm so glad not to see, um, you know, the same three people that I feel like host every single show. So that was exciting. But when I tell you, and I thought something was wrong with me, you know, because normally I love the Golden Globe so much, but I told you I'm doing dry January. So I was completely sober. And maybe that I was like, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm usually drinking champagne and wine right now. And I'm like, you know, eating charcuterie and hanging out with friends. It was on another level bad, in my opinion. A lot of you guys really like him. It was so uncomfortable to watch. Every joke he made, I would say if he made 10 jokes, 9.5 of them didn't land. I mean, it was bad. Because he, he, I don't, you know, I don't know why certain things don't land sometimes. I don't know if it's because like it was a mix of maybe the material wasn't very funny. His delivery wasn't very funny and he wasn't very likable. And I think that, and I think he's a likable guy. So something happened in this performance that to me made me feel like he comes off like annoyed by being there. He comes off a little bit, um, un, you know, he doesn't seem like excited to be there. He says he's excited, but he seems kind of like over it. And then he did one thing real fast. He quickly, when he realized he was not nailing these jokes and he really wasn't nailing them, he immediately blamed the writers. Did you guys hear that? He, he was like, guys, you're laughing at my jokes, not the ones the writers gave me. Okay, when you do that, When you say something and take down writers of a show at a Golden Globe show, which is all pretty much writers, directors, creatives, you know, whatever, and all those writers in the back who have just given you this job and now they're getting under the bus, a lot of people probably wish that they could say that, but you don't say that. It felt so wrong. Like he was throwing these writers under the bus. Hated that. Absolutely hated that. Um, He said a couple jokes that people thought were like newsworthy today. For example, the Taylor Swift um, moment where he said, you know, the only difference between this and an NFL game is that we have less, less camera shots of Taylor Swift. Who cares? Like, is that even a big deal? It wasn't that big of a deal, right? And then she kind of just like, she was like this with her champagne, like. So, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. But then she, um, another thing that happened was, um, 
was what did she what was the other joke that really landed and like pissed me off was the Barbie joke. I don't have it right in front of me. It was something about the fact that like look at the best picture nominees this year. We have Oppenheimer, which is, you know, based on this and it's a most beautiful cinematographer, like talking up Oppenheimer. And uh, and we have, you know, Barbie, which is based on a plastic doll. And it was so belittling of a movie that meant so much more than that. Like the fact that he kind of connected Barbie to like a Super Mario Brothers, basically, that it was just like a stupid cartoon was so annoying and was so like gross. It felt very like old school, like making fun of girls type of thing. I didn't like it. Um, so he start he he set the tone and Lance and I both were like, uh, this is weird. This is weird. This is weird. Now, I thought, OK, get him off the stage and then let's get to a show. Everything was off. Did you guys agree? Everything was off. The way that they, number one, I will tell you, that Golden Globes room, that's where I had my prom in that room. That's where I won my best casting director of the year award for children's casting um, back in 2007 or eight. I won it in that room. In fact, Haley Steinfeld presented that award to me and she was performing, uh, she presented yesterday. Um, that was the room that my mom and my dad got married in 1979. The Beverly Hilton has such an, like an incredible experience for me. I danced to the black eyed peas in that room. Like it's crazy. But the point is, is that that, that event Usually, like I hated the way it was directed. I hated the fact that every presenter had the actors in behind them. So you could see like Bradley Cooper and Steven Spielberg and Billie Eilish and Nicolas Cage and like all these actors just like looking on like this to every single presenter because every single presenter was off the mark. Did you guys agree that every single presenter except Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell we're so off. I don't know if it was the material. I don't know if it was the direction. I don't know about their timing. I mean, the fact that some of them are, most of them are actors and they weren't able to deliver these lines in like a, a well way. It's on another level. It's on another level. So I don't know. I don't know. It was impossible to watch. Now, a couple other moments. There was a big, you know, hubbub over Taylor. Oh, just to finish the Joe Coy really fast. Um, Michael Che who's an SNL actor. You guys probably know who he is. He went on Instagram yesterday and did a whole rant. And I thought this was actually interesting. He said, stand-up comedians should turn down doing hosting gigs like this. Because to try to make these people laugh in this moment, right before they're getting presented these awards and these like nervous experiences is basically like trying to make LeBron James laugh before game seven of the NBA. It's true. It is a really awkward thing. He also said, you know, these actors pretend that they want to be laughed at. But the truth is they absolutely do not want to be made fun of. So you're dealing with a lot of people who are very, um, you know, a lot of ego, a lot of, you know, um, you know, machismo type of energy in the, that room. In fact, I've never been happier to be out of that business than watching last night. Like I am so over it. It was just so, so Michael Che was like, you know what? Turn down those shows. You will always fail. If you're a stand up comedian, you will always fail. And, um, they should hire a magician. That's what he said. Okay. So Timothy Chalamet, also known as Wonka, from this last uh, few months, did an amazing job in Wonka. So cute. He's my Scott Disick lookalike, remember? He and Scott Disick are the same. They're, they could be brothers. 
um, in terms of like the way that they talk and, and look, it's so interesting to me. So, um, Timothy Chalamet was there with his girlfriend, Kylie Jenner. And can I tell you to see Kylie Jenner in an award show like this and not be the star of the show, not make it about her. It wasn't Kylie's night. She was there as Timothy's plus one loved every second of it. They actually looked so cute. They were looking at each other in their eyes and there was like a camera on them. And she was like playing with his, I don't know, his necklace or something. And she's like, you're so cute or it's really nice. And then they kiss and said, I love you. They're actually very cute like them. Taylor Swift was in the audience also hanging out with Selena Gomez and Miley Teller. Now Miley, no, Kylie Teller, who is Miles Teller's wife. Miles Teller is an actor who I love. I think he's great. Those three are very close. Those three were caught talking a lot of smackola during that show. And a lot of people are coming off saying, wow, Taylor Swift and Selena seem like the mean girls during this experience. So I don't know what's going on there. I'm also so old for it. Like, I just, I feel like it's too, like it's too high school for me and I'm going to move on. If it was a real housewife, I'd be so into it. But this, I can't, I just can't. But I don't want Taylor, like it's a bad feeling if, to think that Taylor is like the mean girl. I don't like that. But everyone, a lot of people are saying that Taylor and Selena are like the mean girls. How they like go against, you know, like the, Haley Bieber's and the Kylie uh, Jenner's. I don't know. You guys tell me. I mean, I feel I could be completely off. They could be the nice ones. This is a very, very, uh, this is a very touchy situation for those, for those Gen Zers. Okay. Um, Jennifer Lawrence, of course, as always wins the show because when they went over to her to see her reaction um, to getting nominated, you know, when they call her name, she looked at the camera and she's like, if I don't win, I'm out of here. And she also on the red carpet talked about the fact that she is, we all know this, a huge Bravo fan. We've all known this forever, but she talked about Real House as a Salt Lake City's finale on the red carpet. I mean, what a star. Could Jennifer Lawrence be that amazing? Like any more amazing? I just love her. Is there anyone out there that can't stand Jennifer Lawrence? Or is she just like across the board people like her? I'm sure some people are annoyed with her, right? Because that would not make any sense if they weren't. Lots of people were upset, me included, about Margot Robbie not winning. I thought Margot Robbie should have won. Barbie was such a cinematic and like monster this last year at the box office. I just love Margot Robbie. I mean, could she do anything wrong with that dress? Is Margot Robbie not... Like, to me, she's perfection. Um, but she lost to Emma Stone, who I haven't seen Poor Things, that movie. But in my opinion, I think that Emma Stone can only play Emma Stone. Have you ever seen Emma Stone not play Emma Stone in a movie or show? Like, there's certain people that can only be themselves. Another one is Anna Kendrick. Those two are only each other. I don't know. Beta blockers. A lot of people were freaking out about this. What does this mean, a beta blocker? Because Robert Downey Jr. won an award. And when he went up on the stage, he said, everyone, don't worry. I took a beta blocker so I can make this speech. Beta blockers, I don't know the specifics of what it is, but it basically is some sort of medication that you take to kind of slow your heart racing if you feel like that anxiety or your heart starts to race really fast. Because what I know is that when your heart starts to race very fast, as someone can speak to you right now from, you know, having used to suffer debilitating, debilitating panic attacks where I couldn't leave my house for months and months at a time. I haven't told you guys that story yet, but one day I will. Um, I used to not be able to speak in front of one person. I used to have like, I, I had 
crazy panic attacks. I couldn't speak in front of a group of people. Like I'm talking five people. I couldn't do it. And a lot of the reason why I would get to that place is because my heart would start going less, right? It's a normal feeling when you start getting nervous that your heart starts beating faster, right? But because the heart starts beating faster, it tricks your mind into believing something's wrong. Oh my God, why am I shaking? You start to get dry mouth. You start to feel, am I going to pass out? And it, it, like a lot of times panic comes from physiological feelings, like actual physical feelings. And that's why people cold plunge, for example, because it sends your body into that state but it reminds yourself that you can calm it down as well. But anyway, beta blockers calm that heart racing feeling when you're in a place of anxiety. So a lot of actors take beta blockers before every audition. A lot of actors take beta blockers before award shows. A lot of actors take beta blockers before performances. So just so you know, it's not that crazy in the entertainment industry. I've never personally done it, but I would imagine if I had to like do some crazy big performance and I was nervous for it, I would consider it. I would try it to see what it would feel like. Okay. A lot of you guys actually do know about it. Um, all right. Let's move on, right? Golden Globes, Golden Schmobes. That's how I feel. Um, let's talk about I'm going to just quickly get through Real Housewives of Potomac only because you guys, it's it's unwatchable. I watch it, but I don't want to watch it. And I'm very, very sad about it. I stopped watching Potomac back on like season three or four. I took like two or three seasons off, okay? And the reason why I took them off is because I just got bored with it. I never saw like when Mia started the show, I never saw a lot of those characters, Right. I just wasn't that into it. But because of Daily Dose of Donna, you guys all said, no, 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 you must watch Potomac. So I spent all, you know, I spent like the month or two before this season catching up on last season. Last season was the big, you know, Juan walking down the street in Georgetown with a Karen lookalike, um, everyone throwing Candace's husband under the bus saying that he was like flirting and cheating. Like that was that season, the big divorce between Ashley and Michael. And I loved it. I was so into it. And this season has been such a freaking bomb. And I don't know if we're comparing it to the amazingness of Salt Lake City or the amazingness of Beverly Hills or, or even Miami or any of them. I cannot, I don't care. I don't care about these women at all. And it sucks. Um, they're still in Texas. It's like this, this, party that will never end. They're still drawing. It's like they tried in the last episode, Ashley tried to set up some sort of drawing experience and it didn't work. So then they brought that back. It's like, they felt like we bought the easels might as well do this. They all drew Karen. It was like a 20 minute scene, which was actually kind of entertaining, but it was so boring, right? It's entertaining because they're making fun of Karen through paint and like paint. And it's, it's just, it was, it was fun to watch, but it's not Housewives material, right? It seemed like a bonus episode. And then they go to dinner and they have one big fight, of course. It's the same damn fight over and over again where everyone's going after Robin about her husband or, or about her relationship. And then, you know, Candace is and versus Robin. I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of it. And then, um, you know, uh, the last scene was I watched it in the corner of my eye, I hardly even know what was going on. I like that they brought attention to going to a drag show. I find that all fun and great. And I think it was a really good um, 
almost publicity for drag shows because it just showed how fun it is and how not serious it is and how not dangerous it is. And remember, this is was probably filmed during the height of like drag is dangerous and all of that really crazy um, stuff that started coming out, which obviously I'm not a big, I'm not a, a supporter of. I mean, I'm a, I'm not a supporter of the drag is dangerous um, method or whatever <laughs> theory. Um, so that I thought was kind of cute. But the fact that they started the show and gave us so long of just this like la 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 and then one fight and then la 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 la. Not that we watch these shows for the fights, but they can't they can't maintain a story on that show. No one cares. No one cares about each other. Done. Done, done, done. I still love Candace more than anyone. Candace and Karen Huger are my ultimate favorites from that season, from that franchise. No question, no question, no question. Can't stand Ashley. Can't stand um, NECA. Can't stand Robin. The rest are just okay. Give me Candace. Give me Karen. Remember my favorites from every, every franchise. I got my favorites. So on this one, it's Candace and Karen. <sighs> okay, let's talk about this Sister Wives wedding episode one of the wedding. Christine and David Woolley, the love of her life. That's all she says. He's the love of my life. He's the love of my life. Hey, Cody, did you hear that? He's the love of my life. Cody, Cody, did you hear that? This guy is the love of my life. I love his bald head. She says, could she love on anything more unlike the man she met. The only similarity between David and Cody is that the fa the fact that they're both Caucasian men. There is literally no similarity there as far as we can tell. She wanted someone bald because Cody was so obsessed with his hair. She wanted someone maybe a little more husky because Cody was, you know, a weakling. <laughs> she wanted someone with big goatee because you know what? Knowing Cody, he probably couldn't grow a beard, just like Leonardo DiCaprio. Lance said, why can't Leonardo DiCaprio grow a beard? I said, do you think he's trying? She go he goes, I think he's tried. He looks patchy. Anyway, I don't, uh, you know, I don't. Oh, God. The drag conversation is now in my, in my freaking YouTube comments. Like, I'm not talking about kindergarten, you guys. I'm not talking about kids. We're talking about for consenting adults. Bars are also dangerous for kids, like alcohol. All right. I don't see any bars or dangerous uh, situations. Okay. So, um, all right, let's keep it going. So, uh, I don't want to get political or anything. That just like threw me for a loop when I saw some comments coming up. So, David and Christine are clearly massively in love. They've met 11 months ago and they're already getting married. So they decided to get married probably nine months into the wedding. I mean, into meeting. She said, I stalked him. I found him online. I was obsessed with his profile. I went out with him and I told my matchmaker, cancel the rest of the dates. Why aren't we getting her matchmaker on there? I want to hear her matchmaker. You know, forget Sutton and her matchmaker. Sutton needs to call Christine's matchmaker because that matchmaker did a great job. Did a bang up job. A bang up job for Christine and Wooly. So um, they talk a little bit about the relationship. I actually find them fascinatingly adorable. You can really feel that they like each other, that they laugh together. He's just as obsessed with her as she is with him. Um, they're very honest with each other. He wants to make her happy. He's very supportive of her 5,000 family members as she is with his. 
Um, he's silly. He's funny. He's not scared to make fun of himself. He's not scared to like, you know, have a sense of humor. It's all the things Cody was not able to. And the best thing about the entire one hour special is the fact that they were able to go from Christine's talking about like, he's amazing. He's the best. He's so amazing. He's wonderful. We love each other. We're, we're insatiable. I mean, she basically was saying that they have the best love life. Like she was obsessed with him. You literally see like, like hearts coming out of her, her forehead, right? It's a cartoon. And then they cut over to Cody in the middle of probably Coyote Pass, knocking down a tree and saying, yeah, go down. Oh, man. Oh, go take it. Take it. Yeah, bro, bro. I got packs. We cut to Cody and Robin a couple times throughout the entire episode in this one scene where he's sitting there in his athletic gear. Cody, I I didn't know that Cody and Robin had this side of them. I didn't realize that they, you know, shopped at, at Athleta on the weekends or Lululemon, maybe. I mean, he was wearing a visor. Listen, Cody, I'm going to give you a heads up really fast, okay? If you're listening to this, which I kind of think for a second that maybe Cody Brown does watch Daily Dose of Donna because I feel like Cody, he probably saw one of my TikToks where I talked about his pecs and his abs and he thought to himself, oh my God, this girl likes me. Is she available for a fourth wife? So Cody, honey, I would stay away from visors and sunglasses on top. Because what's happening here is that you're just drawing attention to some sort of a strange hairband situation that you have. Basically, what's going on with Cody is that he's got his hair, his tendrils here. And then if you're watching the YouTube, you'll see my hands. We've got a section right here that is just hairless. It's just bald. It's David Woolley style, right? So a whole section here is just bald. So he's got tendrils, bald. And then lots of curls back there. And then he got his mirrored sunglasses on top and a visor because he's cutting down wood. He's wood shopping. Cody, may I suggest a full hat? I actually think it would be a good look. A trucker hat by all means. Whatever. A baseball cap. One that covers the entirety of the top. Maybe put your hair back in a little... Bun, a pony, if you will. Just cover, cover it all. Does he sunscreen the hairband, the bald band? So he is clearly still bitter over Christine. We've seen this in the trailers. Now we know this was coming. And he was like, oh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm happy for them. Go ahead and get married. You know, only three years ago, did she stop loving me? And then Robin as fast as possible, also in her athletic gear. I mean, Robin went to Old Navy, man, and she got all of the fall, you know, moving and grooving leisure wear. She's wearing her hair up. I don't see her with crazy makeup and a big, you know, the big blowout. And she stands there and she says to him, no, no, Cody, we are very, we are very happy for them, Cody. Come on, Cody, you can do it. Cody, and she's, meanwhile, she's sticking a hand maybe under, you know what, giving him a little bit of a, a little bit of a, ooh, okay. Yes, we're very happy for them. It was unreal. This was a, a lesson in parenting from Robin Brown, how to parent Cody Brown. Then they 
cut back to the wedding and we see happy and family and they're doing a facial day. It's two days before the wedding. And McKelty, who is a quarter of her body, and Tony, who's a quarter of his body. I have never seen anything like it. They are so slim. What happened there? That was not from those shakes that they're talking about, the Plexa shakes or whatever, are they? So now all of a sudden they're having this, you know, lovey like facial day. It's actually so cute. All the women are so happy. We've got David's 40 kids. We've got Christine and Janelle's 5,000 kids. We've got all the grandkids. We've got random women. It is like a women's haven. They're all doing their masks. They're having fun. Then they go to the rehearsal dinner and they, or the rehearsal um, event and it's gorgeous. And Christine is just so happy. This is my vision. This is my vision. And she's showing, you know, um, and David does some silly tumble. Did you guys see that little stage fall? He was like, oh, and then I'm going to walk up the stairs. And he's like, whoa, 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 falls and tumbles through the, through the stage. And then he's like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Well, one thing I really love about this, David, is this man is making himself out there to make people laugh. He wants people happy. Not like Mr. Cody Brown, who wants people to be pissed. Okay. He's happy. He's, he's loving. He's friendly. I like that David Woolley guy for Christine. I think they make a wonderful couple. I think they're very happy. Um, and then we see them, you know, all the sisters and the, the, the daughters. I mean, there's so many of them. They're all talking about how happy they are. And then, of course, we see them go on a floating boat. I mean, a floating bar. You guys, this was by far one of the craziest experiences I've ever seen. Because did you guys think, was, was Christine chugging a beer on your 2024 bingo card? because it wasn't on mine. I'll never forget how the sister wives never drink. I remember thinking this like years and years ago when I watched the show, they would go out to their Mexican restaurant, you know, the one Mexican restaurant in town. I don't know which town they're in, but it's always the same Mexican restaurant. Like it could be in Flagstaff, it could be in Vegas, it could be in Parowan, Utah. It's always the same damn Mexican restaurant. It's dark, there's lots of chips, and there's never a margarita in sight. And I always thought that. I was like, they don't drink these guys. Okay, so it's a religious thing. Oh, no, they like to drink because Christine is chugging beer on the, her floating bar. It is. It looks so fun. It reminds me of when we went to Chicago for, um, you know, just a visit with Lance's family, and we were on one of those boats where you go through the river or whatever it's called, the lake, <laughs> and they give you a tour, and then they have a bar, and you can have some wine or whatever. It was so fun. So Christine's like, go, 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 go. And then Janelle makes a nice speech. I love Janelle and Christine's relationship. Absolutely think it's adorable. And then they cut to Mary. They keep cutting over to Mary, who's all alone. She goes, I don't know when they're getting married. I assume it's soon. All I know is I'm really happy for her. And I think one day it will happen to me too. Back to happy, back to Christine and Janelle. And then back to Cody. And it's very sad. I mean, the editors did them dirty. Did you guys notice that? The music was like, ding, 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 ding. Every time we went over to Christine and the wedding, and every time we went to Cody, it was like, do, 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 do. Mary, it was like, I'm so sad. Music. <sighs> okay. So then, um, they get ready for the wedding. It's the morning of Maddie is hysterically crying. Very sweet. And then the show ends because next week will be the wedding. I didn't think I was going to be into this. I loved it. I loved that hour of fun. 
compared to Potomac, this was heaven. This was groundbreaking. It was amazing. So go Christine, go David and Cody. I'll send you a baseball cap that covers the hair situation and maybe some Rogaine. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if you can do like so. Just cut it all off, okay? At this point, just cut it off. Stop perming. All right, let's talk about another story. And that is the lead story of today, the Trace Amigas. Have you guys heard about what happened? Did you guys hear about all the drama that happened this weekend? I'm going to start with, it's kind of like hard to know specifically everything, but in the sense that like a ton of random shit kept happening. But basically we know that back in November of 2023, Shannon and Vicky, I think it was November, maybe it was December, Shannon Fedor and Vicky Gumbelson announced that they were going and doing Shannon and Vicky live. This was a little unexpected because aren't they doing Trace Amigas? So confusing. They're doing Shannon and Vicky live. They're doing a couple performances or maybe one performance. I'm not exactly sure how many. And they're doing it over at um, at in some Midwest state or, you know, somewhere around, I don't remember specifically, not here in Los Angeles or California. And Doug Buden, because everything leads back to Jeff Lewis, is going to be the host, like the MC. And remember Jameson, who's um, Jeff Lewis's producer, was the MC of their Orange County show. So they love Jeff Lewis. They love that team. And we know that, right? Because Shannon and Jeff Lewis are besties. And Vicki Gumvelson and Shannon and Kelly Dodd were at... Jeff Lewis's Hollywood House Lift premiere party. Party. So, all I know is that they had announced that they were going to be doing their own um, show, right? They announced that they were going to be embarking on their own nationwide comedy tour with comedian Doug Buden. Tamara was noticeably absent from the um, performances. And it was a little confusing because she had already done a couple Trace Amigas back in 2023 when they first started. This was, of course, before Shannon's DUI. That day or a couple hours later after this was announced, Tamara and Teddy announced that they are going on tour in January doing their own live two teas in a pod. I didn't really fully put it together that it was clearly like a line in the sand. I just assumed that, you know, Teddy and Tamara take their podcast on tour. Every big podcast does it, right? Every single podcast that is a popular podcast goes on tour and does live shows. So that's not shocking to me. I didn't put it together why they she wasn't doing anything with Shannon and Vicky. I just assumed maybe it has something to do with the OC filming schedule. But then we find out that Shannon is back on OC as well. So how does this make sense, right? All three of them each re- each shared their respective tours to their own social media on Saturday. Okay. This is all uh, via page six, by the way. And then things quickly took a dramatic turn. Shocker. Dramatic? Dramatic? With the housewives? Okay. They it each took a dramatic turn. Um, after Vicky reposted an Instagram story of a fan talking poor about Teddy and Tamara's podcast. Basically, Vicky shared um, a story from someone else, like a fan account, that was a picture of the Shannon and Vicky live poster. And on the bottom, it says, two tea holes 
have nothing on Shannon Bedore, Vicki Gumbelson, and Doug Buden Live. We know which show we'll be watching. So remember, this is from a random account called Vicky's Orange. So clearly they're big Vicki Gumbelson fans, but Vicky shared it. So when you reshare a story that has obviously not just like a can't wait to see your show message, that would make sense, but this is calling the two T-holes. It's a dig on Tamara and Teddy. So when Vicky Gumbelson posted this, Tamara reposted or on Twitter of some sort or X. I mean, Twitter seriously should sponsor Housewives this week, considering how much we've talked about Twitter on Potomac with the blue check mark and Karen and then Ashley, I'm sorry, Candace talking shit on Twitter. And then now this. Tamara writes, my friend, my soulmate, my sister, my ass. Hashtag real Housewives of OC. And that was with the image of Vicky sharing this. Um, then... After that, um, a lot of people asked Tamara Judge what happened. Why, you know, what? Why is there beef? Tamara says, "I felt like I just took the biggest dump of my life. So refreshed, so relieved." She also then posted in her social media a picture of her, and she wrote Uno, and then swiped to the next, and it was her and Tamara Dose, and then swiped to the next, and it was her Tamara. I'm sorry, her Teddy and Emily Simpson, and it was like, come and see our live show. So obviously, they are dunzo. There's big fighting there. And then stuff kept happening in the comments, okay? A lot of people um, notice that in the comments of uh, people's Instagram accounts yesterday, Vicky commented on someone's account, and I can't remember specifically whose Instagram account was it, saying like, more to come. You'll find out everything soon, basically, why this big fallout happened. Um, Tamara threw Shannon Bedore under the bus in some random comments saying, what a friend Shannon is. She got taken in by Vicky after her DUI and then immediately started filming video of Vicky and her boyfriend fighting and sending it to me. And then, of course, Kelly Dodd gets involved because Kelly was like big part of that OC com community. And she's now friends with Shannon and she's good friends with Vicky. So then Kelly got involved and she started talking shit about the fact that like, you know, there was an LLC and it was a business issue. I know Teddy, I, I know Kelly Dodd on her Patreon. Um, I got a notification because I'm a subscriber. I have to be for you guys. I have to subscribe to these people. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not a. I'm not an anti-subscribing to other people's Patreons for support. I think it's such a nice thing to do just to give them $5 a month, like for all the entertainment that they give. It's, or the content, I should say. So anyway, um, you know, Kelly Dodd did a whole post about Tamara. It's a video and I have not watched the entirety of it, but essentially I know Kelly Dodd can't stand Tamara. I know Kelly Dodd uh, has talked very, very badly about Tamara in the past. They have a really big feud, those two. They really dislike each other. And, um, and you know, Kelly believes that Tamara is the source of like all of this craziness. You can't trust her for anything. All I can say is this. I don't know like these people at all, right? I don't know them at all. I've met them all. I've met Shannon. 
I met Shannon and Vicky both at Jeff Lewis's party. I talked to both of them. I talked to Vicky and she had nothing but negative things to say about um, Teddy. That was all she said. She just like, she was nice. We talked very briefly about like nice things. And then she went off on Teddy to me. Okay. She doesn't know who I am. She doesn't know how I know Teddy. Like it wasn't like that. She just talked about it. She said how horrible Teddy was. Then, um, Shannon, when I talked to Shannon, Shannon just talked really nicely about Jeff Lewis. So those were my connections or conversations with them. I've met Tamara on DM. I've spoken to her in person at, um, remember during the BravoCon weekend, we didn't talk about anyone. We didn't talk about Vicky. We didn't talk about Shannon. We didn't talk about any of them. We talked about just like, we just talked, right? Like nice to meet you and whatever. So I don't know these people at all. And of course I know Teddy, but I don't know these people at all for anything. I just think Vicky and Tamara's relationship has been so freaking like insanely like up and down and bad and good through the years. If you rewatch OC to see how much each of them has thrown the other one under the bus over and over and over again. And then Shannon was also involved in that. Shannon and Vicky had major drama. Shannon and Tamara had major drama. Tamara and Vicky had major drama. All of them have had drama with Kelly Dodd. These people should not be friends. Like I can hardly become friends with someone once I have one big fight with them. Like it's very hard to become friends again. And I think a lot of them become friends because they are on a show together, you know? But at the end of the day, you have to question, like, who's a real friend? It's okay to fight. It's okay to struggle with each other. And it's okay to go through ups and downs with your girlfriends. But who's a real friend? Like, who actually is willing to be a better friend than try to get on a show or try to create drama for a show or make money? And that's the real question is like, who out there is the, is the, like the standard for friendship? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Are any of these, are any of these people the standard for friendship? If you go on a Real Housewife show, can you be a good friend still? Or is it too hard to be a good friend because you know you have to deliver? I I honestly have no idea. Um, you guys are so sweet in the comments, just seeing so many nice comments about how you'd, uh, you spend money for my Patreon. And that is so kind. Um, but that is just, it, I find it incredibly interesting. Now the kicker of all of this was January 6th. So as you guys know, January 6th, I believe two years ago, and now I can't remember which year this was, I think it was 2022, right? Was the year of the insurrection, the big January 6th insurrection. The big drama of January 6th was at some point over the last year, Kel, uh, Vicky and Teddy were beefing on Twitter and they were talking about like the fake cancer stuff. And Teddy said, you know, speaking of numbers, Vicky, um, where were you January 6th? Which was like an ouch. It was a low blow. And then she brought it up again at BravoCon. Well, all of this went down on January 6th. So someone said, wow. January 6th is, maybe Tamara said, I can't remember why, January 6th is really not a good day for Vicky. But I will leave you guys on this note. January 6th is exactly my one-year anniversary of Daily Dose of Donna. Shout out to Denise Milner, who posted on my Facebook group over the weekend and reminded me when I was going through a little bit of a challenging time and forgot completely that it was my one-year anniversary. It was my one-year anniversary on January 6th. I am so grateful for every single one of you dosers who have been here. I've had 
millions of plays on this podcast. Um, I think I had two million views on YouTube I hit last month. It is a huge, huge deal. Thank you so much for subscribing, for following, for supporting. And I appreciate you guys totally uh, for all your love. Anyway, I will see you guys tomorrow as I am here five days a week, unless, of course, emergency, but five days a week I am here. Can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. Bye, you guys. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.